Well, everybody, welcome. As we continue on in our study through the Bible, we're working through the Bible a chapter at a time. It's a 20-year journey. And we're eight, almost nine years in, eight and a half years in, something like that. We've done the entire New Testament. That's where we started. We're working through the Old Testament now. We've completed Genesis and Exodus. We are in Leviticus. We'll be in Leviticus chapter 10 today. Leviticus is a very interesting book. I told you when we started, I thought maybe I would just kind of do a summary and uh, pop through it because it's actually the sort of Levitical rules for the priesthood, uh, the Levitical priesthood, and the, um, we have a much better priesthood now in Christ. So the Levitical priesthood is no longer in effect because we have Jesus as our high priest. And, and yet, as I started to study it, um, the reality is that the, the book of Leviticus is quoted a hundred times or so in the New Testament. So um, it's kind of hard just to oh, skip over and say it didn't matter. Apparently it matters quite a bit. So the idea behind Leviticus when you look at it is to try and take from it how you can apply what's going on into your life today. And primarily, it should really make you thankful for Jesus. That's, that's whenever I read Leviticus, that's what I get. I am so thankful for Jesus because he um, did all of these things on our behalf so that we don't have to. So all of, we spent the last, um, you know, chapters digging into the sacrifices that had to be offered on, um, because of sin. And, you know, there was a guilt offering and there was a sin offering and there was a thanks offering and there was a, you know, there's a, and there's just, there's numerous offerings to deal with the separation from God. Uh, and we are blessed because for us, Jesus has dealt with that. For all who believe, Jesus has been the perfect sacrifice and the perfect offering. And he's, he's made a way for us to be reconciled to God and for atonement to take place. And for all the things that we have in Christ, he's taken care of. And, and so our whole part on that is responding to what he's done and, and understanding the good news of what he's done, that he went to the cross willingly on our behalf. And there he gave his life for us, a perfect sacrifice, a sinless sacrifice. Um, he died there, uh, and um, he um, shed his blood for us. And then he defeated death, and he rose again. And that in him now, we can be reconciled to God. And we've been talking about that on, on, as well on the weekends, uh, often, you know, justification and what that means. But what we have in that is um, the fact that we... Uh, we deserved the judgment of God because of our sin, but, but Jesus takes it on our behalf. And what's happening in Leviticus up, in, up until this point is um, they, the, um, they are making these sacrifices for sin, and they are sort of pointing at Jesus. That's a, you know, they're sub substitutionary, just like Jesus is because he's coming. And so we, we have that happen. In chapter 10, though, and, and really it's been a pretty an exciting thing. Last, last week in chapter 9, you know, the, the, the whole ordination had happened. The priesthood was put into place, and they spent a week um, offering the sacrifices that they'd been talking about for, you know, all the time that they were there in the desert getting it together. And, they, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, tent, of, the tent was there. The, the, everything was in place, the, tent, the tabernacle. And they, just, they spent seven days, day after day after day, sacrificing, sacrificing. Day number eight, sacrifices started again, and the people were prepared for the presence of God, and the glory of God shows up. And that's what's happening. That's what we, where we left it. In chapter 10, though, a couple of Aaron's sons decide they can do things their own way, and the judgment of God hits them in a pretty significant way. 
And um, uh, see, the reality is, and, and our culturally people don't like to deal with or think about the fact that, that, that there's, there is a judgment from God. And like I said, we're, as believers, we, we escape it because of the cross. But um, the, the wages of sin is death, and that's the judgment. And all of us deserve that. And yet, you know, in Christ, we can have that lifted off of us, and He takes our death. But um, outside of that, this judgment still exists, and it's something that's happening out there. That's why we have to be aware of that so that we feel motivated to preach good news and live lives, uh, inviting lives to the world around us because we know that there's an ultimate judgment of God. They don't get a pass. Nobody does. Um, and even though in our culture, a lot of people think, oh, um, the, the sort of the way that people look at God now is um, that in a, it's, it's like his, it's his people think in our culture that it's his job to forgive. And that's kind of the prevailing thought, which is scary because um, it's not his job. It's, it's one of his attributes. He does that for us in Christ, but it's, he, he, you know, he chooses to do it, not, not because it's his job. And so um, while we stress and will continue to stress the love of God and the forgiveness of God so people receive it and move into it, um, they have to in order to escape the judgment of God, which is also a very, very real thing. And it's kind of pictured here in Leviticus 10 with everything that's going on and all of the things that are happening and the people coming and, and you know, sacrificing for their sin and understanding what it's supposed to, why they're doing it and what's going on. A couple of Aaron's sons sort of completely go their own way and it's a pretty significant deal. So that's sort of the tone. Glory of God has just shown up. Everybody's there, the whole camp. A couple of million folks are in there. Worship is taking place. Everything's being set up for them so that they can have God dwell with them in the camp. And then this thing that you're about to read about, we're going to talk about happens when two of Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, um, try and take shortcuts and do things their own way. All right, let me read it to you, and then we'll pick it up on the other side. I'm reading out of the NIV. Whatever translation you prefer is good for you. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them and added incense, and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to His command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Moses then said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke of when He said, Among those who approach Me, I will show Myself holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Aaron remained silent. Moses summoned um, Mishael and Elzaphan, sons of Aaron's uncle Uziel, and said to them, Come here, carry your cousins outside the camp, away from the front of the sanctuary. So they came and carried them, still in their tunics, outside the camp as Moses ordered. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons Eleazar and Ithamar, Do not let your hair become unkempt, and do not tear your clothes, or you will die, and the Lord will be angry with the whole community. But your relatives, all the house of Israel, may mourn for those the Lord has destroyed by fire. Do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting, or you will die, because the Lord's anointing oil is on you. So they did as Moses said. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting or you will die. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. You must distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. And you must teach the Israelites all the decrees the Lord has given them through Moses. Moses said to Aaron and his remaining sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, 
Take the grain offering left over from the offerings made to the Lord by fire and eat it. Prepare without yeast beside the altar for it's most holy. Eat it in a holy place because it's your share and your son's share of the offering made to the Lord by fire. For so I've been commanded. But you and your sons and your daughters may eat the breast that was waved and the high uh, and the thigh that was presented. Eat them in a ceremonial, ceremonially clean place for they've been given to you and your children as your share of the Israelites' fellowship offerings. The thigh that was presented and the breast that was waved must be brought with the fat portions of the offerings made by fire to be waved before the Lord a wave offering. This will be the regular share for you and your children as the Lord has commanded. When Moses inquired about the goat of the sin offering and found that it had been burned up, he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, Aaron's remaining sons, and asked, Why didn't you eat the sin offering in the sanctuary area? It is most holy. It was given to you to take away the guilt of the community by making atonement for them before the Lord. Since its blood was not taken in a holy place, you should have eaten the goat in the sanctuary area as I commanded. Aaron replied to Moses, Today they sacrifice their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord. But such things as this have happened to me. Would the Lord have been pleased if I had eaten the sin offering today? When Moses heard this, he was satisfied. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So, again, as I said, when you read Leviticus, one of the things you should always come away with is how thankful you are for Jesus because of the way things are now instead of the way things once were, all right? Because we have, you know, we, we've already studied Hebrews, the perfect sacrifice and, and the priesthood in Christ that, that replaced the Levitical priesthood. And, um, and so, you know, he, he was the perfect once and for all sacrifice for all sin um, and, and guilt. But uh, uh, this is still a picture of what happens outside of that whole realm. And so what's happening? What did um, Aaron's sons do that was so terrible? And what was going on? And what was the process? So um, uh, what happened was they took their, their, sent their fire sort of pans and they put hot coals uh, onto the altar, which they were supposed to do. They took it from not the right source. Um, and apparently what they did was they just, they took it from a convenient place instead of the place they were supposed to do it. So it was easier. It was a shortcut. And they decided, what, who cares, we're going to take a shortcut. And so they took these hot coals from somewhere they shouldn't, and uh, they placed them on the altar of incense, and, and that was the problem. They offered, it said, a strange, unauthorized fire to the Lord. And so, so they, were, they were, the picture is they're, instead of doing the things the way God has said, they've decided they can, they can look at the bigger picture and they know better than God and they can do it their own. Anybody ever do that? Hello. That's what sin is, right? We've all done that. So it's the same sort of picture. And um, God had insisted that the fiery coals come from the altar of burnt offering, never from any source. And that was in Leviticus 16, 12. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord and his hands full of sweet incense, um, beaten small, and bring it within the um, veil. And so what they did was, the ultimate sin here is they approached God as they desired, not as God commanded. And so they were offering a false worship to God. Um, it was a, a self-made worship, a, a worship that in effect they made and created in their own minds a self-righteous type worship. I'm going to connect the dots for you in a minute. Now, there's another probability that they also um, ventured into or too close to the most holy place. And because that's where the, the, the uh, 
sword fire of the Lord popped out and got them. And remember, no one was allowed to enter the most holy place back then except the high priest, and he was only allowed in there once a year. Again, we now have access to the most holy place now in Christ 24-7. So I guess such a better deal. They didn't. Uh, um, the, so they were close to the presence of God, but he, he, was in, he, he dwelled in the most holy place and only the high priest, only once a year to, uh, to take care of the sins of the people in the process. And, and, um, and so it looks like these two guys were taking shortcuts, ventured too close. This, again, they're thinking out in their own self, this is what they can do, and they're going to do it their own way. So all we have to remember is that God has revealed to us through His Word and through Christ the way that we're to approach Him, the way that we're to have relationship with Him. And He's made it very clear that, that our relationship with God is through um, Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. Jesus said it. That's revealed to us. That's how we're to approach God. Culturally, a lot of people think now, oh, well, well, you can go to God however you feel like because He's God and this is their thoughts on God and so it doesn't matter. There's no prescribed way. There's no right way. We'll just go however we want and all of that's false worship and it's self-righteous worship and it says that somehow we know better than God. That's the overriding issue that we have to deal with in the process. People outthink this and they start to think things like, well, it doesn't really matter and this is what God does and this is what He's like and so as long as you're a good person and you're good, better, good, more good than bad, well, then you're okay. But that doesn't come from any revealed source. That's just sort of um, cultural thinking that's not based in anything. But the Scripture says differently that that our sin separated us from God and all sin is a big deal and all sin deserves judgment and the judgment is harsh, it's death because sin separates us from God but God has made a way for us to be connected to Him and He's revealed it to us in His Son and all these things are pointing in that direction all along the way so, um, so God has revealed to us in Christ how we're to approach Him, how we're to worship Him, how we're to relate to Him and they just took it into their own hands to go their own way and do their own thing. That was the significant issue that happened. Still a significant issue today. That lots of people think they can just go their own way and do their own thing and that it's all going to be okay. But not going to work that way. Alright, so that's the first few verses. Then in verses 4 through 11, um, so what then starts to get laid out for us is how we are to... Um, live this life um, with God in, in order to sort of avoid that kind of judgment. Now again, in Christ, he, He's done it for us because we're still a mess. But there's some things that we're supposed to do and there's sort of five essentials that He talks to uh, about the priesthood there and in particular the priesthood. But remember, as I've been telling you the last few weeks, we are now the royal priesthood uh, with Christ. And, and 1 Peter 2.9 says we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And so these things apply to us and we have ministry which is to help the lost come to know Jesus. And so he starts talking. So the first thing um, is that they're to protect against defilement, verses 4 and 5. And so wh what happens there is Aaron's not allowed to go and take care of his two sons because they, um, to, um, they weren't allowed to touch dead, the dead because they, they would be defiled. And so Moses has to get a couple of the other relatives to take care of that and take them outside the camp because they, they weren't allowed to, um, the priests weren't allowed to go near a corpse because the corpse, um, death, the death sort of symbolized defilement and uncleanness and corruption and decay and so that was the issue, big pictures of what's going on in the process. 
And, um, and so if, if when a priest did interact with a corpse, which would happen a lot sometimes in family and stuff, they were then sort of not able to continue to perform their service before God until a period of time had elapsed. And so, but, and Moses, this was all brand new. They, and Aaron were, were still in place where they needed to be, and they needed to continue to serve in the temple. So um, we want to do what we can to live lives that please God. We, we call that here living by doing the... Very good. Some of you have been listening. Next, right? We don't do it perfectly. But we've got Jesus, and that's a good thing. It's not an excuse. Remember, I always tell people it's not a, it's not a get-out-of-jail-free thing. It's we want to do the next right thing. Sometimes we'll choose not to because we're not arrived yet. We're, in, we're being sanctified, but it's not my desire. I'm not looking for loopholes, right? And that's the big deal. If you're still looking for loopholes, you, you, need, to, you need to do some business with the Lord. Um, because it's, we're not looking for loopholes. We want to do it right. Sometimes we'll still got some work to be done, but not, not looking for loopholes. Um, Leviticus, uh, verses 6 and 7 then, they needed to, um, to show what we all need to do, devotion to God. So he told them, don't even go into the whole mourning process right now. Don't let your hair get unkempt. You're focused on what you're doing. There'll be a time for that at some other point in time. But, but they needed, in effect, to show as the, the representatives that they sort of agreed with God's judgment. And so, you know, in effect, we, we um, knowing that, that God is, uh, that the lost are in trouble unless they don't know Jesus. I want to say that very carefully because I don't, I'm, you're not, you know, I'm not a big, but, but in effect, we're saying we agree with it. We get it. We know what's going on. We know the consequences of sin. We understand what it means to be separated from God, and we understand that it's a big deal in the process. And so our devotion is to God, and we're going to stay, you know, in Him and continue to walk with Him, and um, that's where we're going to find life. And so that's what they they did. They and a pretty big deal when you think about Aaron. You know, he stood fast in the midst of what had just happened to two of his sons. He did, you know, what he was called to do, and and uh, and he completed his service for the Lord in the process. Now, verses eight and nine are kind of interesting. Um, because here's how the rest of the story looks. What it looks like is these two sons um, were, were drinking. And that's how they got into trouble. So, because you notice from then on, there no more. He, he, he says to the priest, no more fermented drink while you're on duty. Um, so what it looks like is, if you, if you read through the whole process, a weird thing to come up all of a sudden. These two sons were partying, took a big shortcut because they didn't feel like doing what they were supposed to do, got a little too close to the holy place in an inappropriate way, and that was that. So he's, uh, the, the admonition is, when you're in there, close to the presence of God, there's no reason for it anyway. Don't do it. Nothing better than the presence of God uh, in our lives. And so, um, you know, in the, in the New Testament, it says, you know, do, do not be... Uh, don't be stimulated with, with wine, but be stimulated by the Holy Spirit. We've got something better than any of that stuff anyway. So, uh, and they were in the presence of something far better and still chose to go and do their own way. And so um, th this was something that they weren't to do. They weren't to perform the service while they were intoxicated 
I'd say that's pretty good advice. <laughs> I, I think it's wisdom. Um, so that's what looks like is going on in there and why it's such a big issue. Um, verse 10, they were to live totally for the Lord again. And uh, they were, you know, as we are, we're supposed to live for Him. And um, he, he then sets out a series of things that we should be able to discern as uh, people that are living for God. We should be able to discern between right and wrong. We should know the difference. And here's the thing. Holy Spirit leading us, you know, you know the difference between right and wrong. You just sometimes choose to do what's wrong. That's, the, that's why I always say choose to do the next right thing. You know the difference. And that's something that the Lord gives us, and we get to choose. Um, they were to know the difference between what God had said to do and said not to do. And remember, that's been from the very beginning. You remember the enemy, how he got Adam and Eve. Did God really say? All, you know, all, all they had to do back then was go, no, this is what God said, and stick to it. But they didn't. They let it get twisted, right? But, but we're supposed to know. What, what has he said? What's he said to do? What's he not said to do? They were supposed to know how to approach God and how not to approach God. You approach God in the way that he set up for us to approach God, which for us is in Christ. Um, to know what's allowed and what's not allowed. Same kind of thing. You know, sometimes when we want to do something, we, almost start, we, don't, we know we're not really supposed to do because we know the difference. Then we start trying to justify it anyway. And um, I like to say we like to rationalize it. That's one of my favorite words because we start telling ourselves rational lies as to why we should do something we know we shouldn't do. And we start making excuses for it. They were to know how the difference between how to serve God and how not to serve God. And um, ultimately, they were to know the difference between what's holy and pure and what's unholy and impure. And that these are things that we should all be able to discern. And in fact, with, with the, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you can discern. Uh, and um, as I said, you know, we're not perfect. Sometimes we'll choose to go in the wrong direction. But we know um, what's going on and sort of the whole process of how it gets there. You know, I, uh, it's almost always a process, too, when you're, but would you, I mean, again, I don't wake up and think, wow, how can I get away with some really big stuff today? <laughs> I just don't. But it sort of sneaks up on you, you know, and that's the whole thing. And then you kind of allow it, and maybe you think about it for a little bit, instead of just cutting it off where you can. Um, but God always makes a way out, if you're listening. I love that about God. If you're working, boop, he'll always help you, if you ask. That's that famous prayer I taught you, right? Everybody knows the prayer? So you guys are so good. Help! You should all remember that one. That's one of my favorite prayers. That's awesome. See, you guys are good. You've been listening. Um, so, um, you, you know, with all these things, and we're, we're going to talk about that this weekend, um, knowing the difference. A lot of that has to do with making sure we're taking time to read the Word and know what's in the book and know what He said is, and why He said it and what's there. A lot of people have a lot of things that they think are in the Bible that aren't in the Bible and, and so, um, and vice versa. And, uh, and then you see some neat things happen. And so, um, fortunately, the grace of God pops up um, even in the midst of all this stuff going on. And, and, uh, and, and so, in verses 12 through 15, when when you see uh, Moses telling Aaron, his sons, go ahead, and this offering is still yours, partake of it. That, that was their deal, right? And he's saying, that hasn't changed anything because of what's taking place with your, with your two sons. I'm still going to take care of you. I'm still, 
I'm going to care for you and all the things are going to happen. And, and um, so they, they got what was left of the grain offering, which was there. So it's God's way of saying, you know, don't worry, I'm, I'm, that, that, that happened, and it, but I'm, I'm not cutting you off or any of those things. And, um, and um, interestingly, too, in this where grace is being shown, it's one of the only times that we see God dealing directly with Aaron. And it is the only time in Leviticus. He's, otherwise, he's always talking through Moses to Aaron. Right to, right to Aaron. Grace needs to sometimes, we need to hear it that way. So um, he's assuring Aaron that he's with him and that he's for him in the process. And, and even then giving to them part of the peace offering, which was then made time whenever that would come. And uh, that would be a part of there as well. And so... Um, it hadn't, this whole thing hadn't impacted, changed their relationship with God as long as they stayed focused on Him. And then verses 16 through 20, sort of the mercy of God or the tenderness of God because um, this, this one offering that they were supposed to take and eat for, on behalf of the people, they didn't, and, um, uh, and, which was a pretty serious mistake by Aaron. But it wasn't a, like a willful rebellion. Um, and, and so in his brokenness, in his, in his process of dealing with that, he, he chose not to eat. And when he explained it like that, um, th there was lots of mercy in the process. So, you know, I like that, that even as we read about judgment, we read about mercy and we read about grace. Very, very cool that it's all there in the mix for us. And we, get it, we find all that in Christ. And so that's very, very helpful in the process. And this is a picture of the tenderness of God. You know, God wants... God wants people to be restored in relation to them. That's the heart of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believeth Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And in those whole verses it says that He came, that Jesus came not to condemn the world, but, but He came to save the world through Him. That's the heart of God. The heart of God is for people to be reconciled. Sin that all of us have chosen has separated us, and, and sin has to be dealt with and judged, but God has made a way. And so you always have to remember that about God. He's made a way for everybody to be restored. But it's everybody's choice. That's everybody's got a part in the process. Um, and, and, you know, people often say, well, how can a loving God, you know, condemn people and judge people? And, and I always have to think of it this way, that God's made a way, everybody gets to choose, and ultimately what God does is He honors that choice. You're either, you either choose Him or you choose not Him, and He honors it. It's not, I'm sure that it, it breaks His heart if you, if you, for people to choose not to, but... That, that was the choice that they had, that he made possible for them to have a choice. So um, that's kind of what's happening in Leviticus 10. I know it's hard stuff, Leviticus, but I, I think it really helps us know about how amazing Jesus is, and that's why that's important. We'll pick it up from there next week. If you're watching my video, thanks for doing that. Come and visit us when you can. And uh, if you need prayer, go to the website. We'd be happy to pray for you. There's a prayer page. We will call it an evening right there. <laughs>